Gladfield Malt is dedicated to producing fresh, consistent, and high-quality malt for New Zealand craft brewers and home brewers alike. Visit their website today to see their incredible range of unique and flavorful malts at gladfieldmalt.co.nz. That's gladfieldmalt.co.nz. Thanks for tuning in to episode number 13 of the New Zealand Brewer Podcast. This is John Ojaka. Also on the line with me is Gary Henwood from Kainui Brew Co. Gary, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, John. Very good. Thank you. Fantastic. You you, you over your uh, Easter holiday uh, hangovers or whatever whatever mayhem you got into? I'm not 100% sure I am over it, John, but I, you know. Well, I can push on. I can, I can promise you, I'm not. Um, but, uh, but I've got a lot of beer in front of me to drink, so this will, <laughs> this will be interesting tomorrow. Um, because, uh, and I say a lot of beer because uh, we are going to be talking with Brian Watson from Good George Brewing Company tonight, and, and as you know, the beer comes in these nearly one liter bottles. So this will be, this should be fun by the end. But I'm, um, I'm looking forward to trying uh, some of these beverages and. Uh, and hearing a bit about their brewery and their story. This comes actually um, as a as a result of a, a request from a listener. Someone someone wrote in asking, "Hey, can you guys talk to Good George? Because uh, I want to hear their story. They're they're a fan of the brewery, and and that is what we we did. So you know, that's just a little hint to you guys uh, who like. Uh, who like the show, who want to hear from a specific brewery, let us know. Uh, either message us on Facebook or or send us an email. Head on over to NewZealandBrewer.co.nz. Send us an email there and uh, let us know what you'd like to like to have on the show and who you'd like to hear from, and we'll do our best. Uh, but we got some some good shows coming up and um you know some good stuff to discuss tonight a little bit of housekeeping before we um get into the show i just kind of wanted to give a shout out this this came as a request from a listener uh who asked that we give a shout out to a homebrew competition that they run uh, down in Christchurch it's a, it's a national competition so anyone in new zealand can enter this uh, per my understanding and this is something thrown by the Christchurch Homebrew Association it's a contest uh to to honor their friend um and i hope i'm pronouncing his surname correctly jason waring uh he's a member of the their 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 crew and uh he passed away sadly from cancer and so um his friends uh have gone and uh put together an annual homebrew competition he was a fan of ipas and so they have an ipa competition once a year and in his memory so if you want to if you want to take part in that they actually have some pretty amazing prizes a conical um they've got of course malt from our friends at gladfield malt they've got a voucher uh for our friends over at brewshop.co.nz they've got hops and a whole bunch of other cool stuff so um you know, it seems seems worth entering. the The deadline's coming up. I think it's April fourteenth, so you're going to need to get there, uh, get your beers in fast. But head on over to uh, Jace Comp IPA. So that's J A S E Comp uh, C O M P IPA, which is IPA. dot blogspot.co.nz, uh, or just Google Jace Comp IPA, and you'll find it. Um, and you can get the information there. So, um, you know, uh, shout out to those guys. Hope you guys have a great competition. Um, so Gary, I think it is time we pop a beer. What do you got there? Uh, I've got the, uh, good George IPA. And, uh, what are you tasting? This is a beer 
I'm tasting a nice hoppy beer. This is this beer. I've always been a fan of this beer. Um, for a long time, it was one of the only beers, one of the only IPAs that you can get that was, you know, retained its freshness. Um, I quite often found uh, that we were pouring a lot of the beers down the sink, John. The we still are. That we were. <laughs> we still are. But this one is more often than not in good condition. Um, whatever they're doing, they just uh, maybe the distribution is faster than you know they're, they're getting quicker turnover than most people. Perhaps I'm not too sure, but it's it always seems to be in good condition. And again, tonight it is in good condition, and it's yeah, it's just nice citrusy, um, easy drinking IPA. It's only five point eight percent, so it's you know it's a it's a bit of a quaffer, right? right. Um, and yeah, it's it's nice. Very cool. Well, I, I actually bought, I ended up, because uh, we were supposed to record this last week, um, wouldn't be the first time we were supposed to record and didn't, but I went and bought their black lager, uh, which I had never had and and ended up bringing it with me to a party this weekend and, and drinking it all and enjoying it quite a lot. Um, so wanting something different uh, earlier today, I popped down to uh, the shop in town and got myself, um, uh, maybe this is sacrilegious, I don't know, but I'm drinking a cider. I'm drinking their, their Doris Plum uh, cider, which um, you know, that, that'll be the first non-beer drunk beep, here on the show. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> but it's uh, it's really nice. You know, it's it's um, certainly, well, I, I guess it, it sounds a bit a bit lame to say, well, it's kind of like apples and plums, but that, that is what I'm getting. Uh, it's, it's on the, well, I don't want to say it's on the sweet side. It's actually on the dry side for a sort of sweeter cider, you know, like most big commercial ciders that I've had anyway here in New Zealand. They all are appealing to a certain market who tends to like a little bit of sweetness in the beverage. Um, you're not finding, at least I'm, I haven't come across too many ultra dry ciders, um, yet. And I know there are more people producing them, but I haven't had one. Um, so it, it has got some sweetness, um, which supports the blums nicely, but it's not overly sweet. And, and I, you know, I, I could, I could drink some of this. It's, it's really nice. So, uh, I can tell Gary is muted his line because he's, he's eating potato chips. Um, the, the professional broadcaster that he is. That's large, <laughs> Um, he's still, he's still swiping those potato chips, uh, you know, out of the way so he can talk without, um, well, yeah, well, potato chips in his mouth. Um, Gary, uh, I think it's time for our much-loved segment, What's Going On in the Brewery, where Gary Henwood from Kainui Bruco tells us all about the goings-on in his brewery, Kainui Bruco, up here in Kerry Kerry. What's I'm going still on? Waiting, I'm still waiting for a sting, John. A you sting? Come up with one. A sting? Yeah, you know, like a little introduction, a little melody or something. Yeah, like that. oh, you, God. You go, What's going on in the brewery? Totally, totally. You should, can, you should do we, it. Can, should we harmonize together right now? You should no, like, no. What's going on in the brewery? And then you take the high, <laughs> you take the high part, and then like we'll wow. layer it. It'll be, mm. it'll be sweet. I think if you can mix, it, you can get something out of that. Just mix it up. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see. Um, we'll see. What's going on in the brewery? We had an exciting week, John. Did you? Uh, we did. Country calendar. Pay us a visit. Country calendar. Oh, well, you mm. know, I'm pretending like I'm hearing this news for the first time because it makes for better, quote unquote, radio. But um, I happen to know that because I was there. I was there. You were. Oh, yeah, you were right. You got on the, on the camera as well, John. We, it's going to be an awkward watch, I've got to say. <laughs> because of me. Um, or no, 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 because of me. Um, just some of the, you know, they stick a camera in your face. I'm not used to that sort of thing. It's just, it's just a little bit awkward, John, I've got to be honest. Um, so I'm, um, yeah, I'm not, it'll be good. It's, it's cool to, um, you know, get the opportunity to talk to these guys and, and get ourselves out there and 
um, get in front of more people and stuff like that. But yeah, it was a little bit awkward. Um, so we'll we'll see how, how it turns out. Oh, I'm sure it'll be great. You know, Country Calendars, obviously, it's it's this iconic New Zealand show. It's so many people's favorite show uh, yeah, about New Zealand. Awesome. And, and it's very cool yeah. that you guys are part of it. So this is part of your broader families organization. This include the vineyard and the and the brewery, correct? Tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, so they were, they were covering um, my uh, my parents-in-law who have a big kiwi fruit operation up here, and um, they've done them. They've covered them before twice, actually uh, in the eighties, and then again in the nineties, I think. Oh. And then um, they've yeah, revisited revisited them um, to see what they're up to at the moment, and what they are up to at the moment is partly wine and beer as well. You know, they're, they're involved in our business, so. Um, we, we got the opportunity to get on, on country calendar, which was pretty cool. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just a cool experience all around and yeah, definitely to, to get ourselves out there and hopefully more people, you know, well, more people will recognize us now that once they see us on that, um, which is, yeah, awesome opportunity. John. Yeah. yeah, man. It's like, uh, it's really fun. You know, the idea with this segment was that people could kind of follow one brewery's story as you guys grew as a company. Um, and I really think that that's, that's happening and it's kind of neat. Every, at least every couple of episodes, there's some big change, you know, mm. you're going from just getting rolling to expanding to, uh, brewing, you know, needing to brew 10,000 liters of beer for one event. And now you're on country calendar. You, you've won awards at the, uh, the guild awards last year. I, we got those coming up again. Hopefully you take some of those. The, the new world awards will be, uh, uh, announced soon. Hopefully, hopefully you have some luck there. Um, it's all, it's all very, very cool. Um, yeah, I, I feel like we're heading in the right direction. Direction. Thanks, John. Um, <laughs> and we, oh, I've just ordered some new conical fermenters, and yeah, I, and I, I think I've mentioned before that the, we've got barrels and stuff. So yeah, it, it, it does feel like things are happening, even though it's coming into winter, and we'll be slowing down in terms of beer production most likely. Um, well, we probably won't be slowing down. Most people will be slowing down, um, but we're, we're you know trying to access new avenues. So. It is really exciting times for us. And how long? I know that there's there's some interest from Auckland. How long to your beer is going to be available for folks down there? Uh, yeah, hopefully, um, Brothers Beer have got in touch with us, so hopefully we'll be able to get some some beer down there pretty soon. Um, they haven't placed an order yet, but they did get reached out and and say, you know, ask us what we had, what bottles available, and they had, have said that they will place an order. So fingers crossed, we can get some beer down there. In the stores for people to to um, to try that yeah, often. That'd be cool. We'll have to do some kind of a tasting or meet up or something like yeah. that once your beer's available down there and get all the New Zealand Brewer podcast listeners all all yeah, four yeah. all four of us together in a room. It'll be it'll be great. Five <laughs> sure, if, five if Sounds you count your mom. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I think is there anything I'm forgetting? I think that's us. Um, we're gonna be taking questions. Uh, after the interview, but if there's nothing else to cover, I think we it's time for us to take a break. Am I missing anything? Crack into it. Dude, I would not know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, fair enough. Back in a sec. You're listening to the New Zealand Brewer Podcast. (laughs) 
Whether you're a home brewer or pro brewer, if your goal is to make delicious beer using top quality New Zealand grown ingredients, then Gladfield Malt is the maltster for you. Gladfield Malt is a family owned and operated malting company located in Canterbury, New Zealand, where the Michael family has been growing barley for five generations. They now produce over 29 types of malt, including several world firsts, such as their very own Toffee, Shepherd's Delight, and Supernova Malt. Whether your goal is to brew a crisp New Zealand Pilsner or a rich and decadent Imperial Stout, Gladfield Malt has the perfect malt for your brew. And if you're looking to brew a classic recipe using only Gladfield's award-winning ingredients, you can download their free recipe conversion app, which is available for both iOS and Android devices. Gladfield Craft Malts are perfect for the New Zealand brewer who is looking for quality flavors, consistency, and traceability in their malts, which they back up with some of the best customer service in the industry. You can get to know their malts and find out more about their recipe conversion app at gladfieldmalt.co.nz. That's gladfieldmalt.co.nz. Theshout.co.nz is the home of New Zealand Liquor News, with daily updates featuring the latest and greatest news, announcements and views for the New Zealand liquor trade industry. Theshout.co.nz has everything you need to keep up with happenings in on-premise and off-premise information, beer, wine and spirit news and everything in between. You can register for our weekly e-newsletter at shout.co.nz. That's theshout.co.nz. All right, on the line with me is Brian Watson from Good George. Uh, Brian, thanks for being on the call. Uh, No problem at all, John. Well, uh, why don't you give listeners, particularly, let, let's imagine, uh, you know, I don't imagine there are many of them left in New Zealand that have not heard of Good George, but let's imagine someone listening to this is not familiar with the company at all. So w- for starters, let's give I- everyone a little bit, um, well, you know, actually we'll back up to that, but let's just paint the picture of what Good George is, what kind of brewery you are, where you're located, and let's talk about that a bit, and then we'll back up and, and tell your story. Good, Good George, uh Good George started started five and a half years ago as a as a brew pub in Hamilton. So we had no real expectations uh, back then. You know, five years ago, Hamilton, we didn't really know whether it would embrace craft beer or not. But we were pretty keen. Uh, myself and my two business partners, uh, who are hospitality guys, Jason Macklow and Daryl Hadley, um, we decided to start a brewery because I wanted to be able to spend more time in New Zealand and not travel so much consulting to other breweries around the world. So it was an opportunity to be able to create something in Hamilton as a brew pub. We'll give it a go, see how it works, and it really needs to be founded on the on the principles that we kind of live with in terms of uh, how we work together and with our families in terms of community, uh, fun, and, and you know, and obviously our overriding one in terms of quality is we will never deliver a shit beer. So it's something we live, all, you know, we, we live and breathe that every day in the brewery. We challenge ourselves: is this beer good enough to be released? And yes, and if it's not, well, you know, it doesn't get released. Goes down the drain. I like that. Um, yeah. W- well, yep. and, and and so, what's the capacity? Uh, how many? Yep. And I know you have yep. other locations. Let's talk about that a, a bit. Yeah. So, so again, we started as a as a little brew pub, uh, twelve hectare brewery in Hamilton, uh, five and a half years ago. We had one employee in the brewery, um, and uh, our first year we did around eighty thousand liters. Um, our target was 8,000 litres I think we did about 120,000 and we were like whoa this thing's pretty cool <laughs> right. um, fast fast forward uh, we, we've cut back the garden bars three times and we've poured in more and more tanks so we've upgraded the brew now to, so it's a 20 hectolitre brew house and we, we punch out anything less than 4.5% we punch out 25 hectolitres out of it um, 
we're able to be our, uh, produce, we're producing currently between uh, 10 and, and 15 brews per week, which which is about 1.4 to 1.5 million mm. litres. So oh, wow. it's a big, big change in the last um, the last five years. So, so we've gone from one employee to now close to 30 employees, right, just right. in the brew side of it. Um, right. And how our business operates is, I guess, quite similar to um, the Spring and Fern is that we have our we have our, our core brew pub, um, which is now more probably more a production brewery than a pub. But the pub, is, of course, is still there. Uh, we've, like I said, we've cut the garden bar back. We've got the third time we cut it back, we put in 10,000 litre tanks. So we've now got 10, 5,000 litre tanks, three 10,000 litre tanks, three 2,500 litre tanks. And so we've got capacity on site to be able to get us through to that, that, that 2 million litres. So we've got enough capacity to, to, to build. We've invested heavily into our brewery um, to be able to make sure that we can build the quality that we're promising. We package everything on site. So nothing, nothing is contracted. It goes 100% through, through Good George in Hamilton. Um, the venues themselves, and we've got you know, the, uh, a good neighbour in, in Rotatuna in Hamilton, the Cook in Hamilton, uh, the Good Union in Hamilton, we call those our home bars. They're, they're sensibly owned, they're a licensed model similar to Sprig and Fern, owned by these, my business partners or business partners and investors. Then we have other venues like the local tap house. Um, there's one in Hamilton, there's one in, uh, in, in um, Pies Par and Taronga. So but they're venues where people can come in and experience that really the brand, the touch points of the brand. So really important to us that when people come into Good George and our venues, that they can experience the brand and, and that sense of fun and, and the, 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 the community that we're kind of trying, we're building up. And what we've been really pleased with is the way that the people of our region have really embraced us and worked with us and, and, and have, have some fun along the way with us. Right, right. So are these essentially, I'm up in Kerikeri in the far north and I haven't had the chance oh, yep. to get down to one of your venues yet. Are these essentially franchises then basically where somebody uh, can come in or is it a little bit different? Yeah, the, franchise is a dirty word. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, they are the, uh, licensed venues. So right. they're venues that, that, that carry the Good George name, the Good George brand. Um, and we just then you know, we help them get into business. We help them with the, a lot of the key stuff that we need, that they need, and that we need. And then we work together to make sure that their business is successful. So, in that terms, franchise is very weird, but it's more of a licensed venue. So, sure. but they are an extension of our brand. Right. And and is there are they good George venues or are they unique individual venues that license the the good oh, they, George brand? Yeah. So they're unique individuals. They're unique individual places for their own individual. Um, look and feel Got it. really around the local environment. So one of our you know core things is obviously keep things local. We really like the idea of of you know you, you've got beer which is brewed very close to where you are. Um, so the, you know the good neighbour in Rotorua is a is a big suburban pub. Whereas Little George in the centre of um, uh, Hamilton is a is almost like a, a small late night hipsters bar. Um, good Union in um, Cambridge is a is another old church. Uh, it's a, the iconic pink church. Uh, nice. Right in the heart of Cambridge, so um, lots of different venues for the different. I mean, in fact, we've just referred to the Cook, which is a famous old pub in Hamilton East. It's still called the Cook right. because you can't. No matter what we call it, it's always going to be called the Cook. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Um, and you, but you bottle as well because you know. Again, we're up here in in the far north. We can get your stuff at at New World, and you know that's always the litmus test for how how good of a reach a company has. If we can get it, then then you've got a pretty pretty good reach. So talk about that a bit. You, obviously, you've, you've yeah. got the four pubs, but you're you're bottling and and distributing around the country. Yep. So we. we 
we saw about three or four years ago, we decided, okay, look, let's time to go get the beer into a package. We were filling a lot of growlers out of our bar. And um, growlers are great, you know, the, the two litres of beer. However, they've, you know, a limited reach, limited shelf life, you know, pretty seven days. And um, on a Tuesday night, you know, you don't, we're maybe not feeling like having a whole growler. We needed something with just a little bit smaller. So uh, we came, we, we, we've seen the idea. I do travel extensively. So um, come up, saw somewhere in the world, I can't remember where, this, this one meter squealer. And um, so we decided to adopt that. Um, we've got our own mold made through OI, who have been excellent to deal with, and uh, have, have grown that squealer model. It's 946 mils, which is um, you know, 32 fluid ounces in, in the US. Um, that's because based on the original bottles were coming in from Lawrence, Kansas. So that those squealers, which have been really unique for us, have got a number of advantages in terms of the, the, the volume to surface area ratio means that they, they, there's less oxidation, so better quality of the beer. Um, it's, you know, it, it's all to do with um, being able to get the beer in a pack in a format that can guarantee quality. Better that, better than a 330 mil just in terms of the oxidation rate. Right, right. I, well, I think that's amazing that you guys are so concerned about that. It's something that my co-host Gary and I talk about all, all the time is just the bad shape that so many um, New Zealand beers are, are showing up uh, are showing up in, yeah. you know, especially hoppy beers. Yeah. And, and I think that's fantastic. But it does it represent any kind of challenges in terms of sales? I mean, uh, it dawns on me that I'm not always ready to, you know, buy a liter of beer and bring it home. I'm more that guy who kind of wants a, you know, a, a bottle of a bunch of things as opposed to one or two bottles of the same thing. Do you find any challenges using that packaging or is it is it going pretty oh. well? Oh, look, no, it's going very well. There's always challenges. Yeah, yeah sure, There's always sure. challenges in the brewing industry. Um, but we, we find it's really beer to share. So, you know, right. two of you are having it, sharing a beer. It's a really nice, easy way to share a beer. There's kind of three good glasses in it. So, you know, you might have two and, you, and your partner might have one. So, right, uh, right, or right. you share them 50-50. But it, 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 it is far better than the two liters. Mm-hmm. And what we're finding is that um, we're getting continued growth in that in that um, segment. Right. Um, we haven't exported yet. We're only available for sale in, in New Zealand. But it's a really good, you know, the point you just raised on getting the beer out and about um, is hard for a brewer because we have challenges with logistics. We've got two islands. It's a long, skinny country. You know, I don't know that the beer that's been sold out of uh, um, New World in Vicargill is as good as it could be out of New World Kerry, Kerry, for sure, example. Sure. Do you know what I mean? So it's a real challenge for us as breweries. So we, we always say in the brewing industry, and I've been in it for, for a long time, is it's really, you know, it, it's one thing making a great beer in your brewery. It's quite another getting into a package effectively and getting it into someone else's hands three months later. Right. It, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. The challenges are enormous. And do I understand correctly? I was told that, um, I don't know if it was specific to New World or if it was maybe all of the grocery stores in New Zealand, they won't take the beer unless it's got a one-year shelf life on it. Is that correct? No, I don't know. That's not correct. That's we, not well, correct. I think we've got nine months on ours. No, we've got oh, okay. nine months on Okay, no, that's, um, that's good I, to know. I, I, um, yeah. I do a lot, of judge, yeah, a lot of judging, a lot of um, uh, tasting of beers uh, in different countries. Really, beer, no matter what it says on the bottle, really should be drunk within three to four months. Yeah, for sure, for sure. We we talk about that a lot with Stone and just their enjoy by beers and how how nice it would be to yeah. see see some stuff like that. Of course, it's challenging in New Zealand with a smaller market. You know, finding finding enough customers 
for something in that short a period yeah. of time. But um, but I like your I like how conscious you are of that. I, I, I you don't hear that as much as you should. Um, so you you touched on it a bit. You've been in the industry for a long time. Let's go back to your very beginnings. You know, beer beer is a a weird and wonderful thing that usually has a fair amount of obsession tied into it. Um, how'd you get started with all this? What what first drew you to beer? And and tell us a bit about your your career that that brought you up to this point with Good George. Oh, look, I, I, I probably am atypical when it comes to a lot of the brewers around. Um, I, I wasn't a, an avid home brewer. I tried it a couple of times at university and failed miserably <laughs> uh, with infections, and then and then just never. And I just gave up. But uh, you know, I, I, I was fortunate enough to get a, a, a degree out of the University of Waikato here in Hamilton, which is a, a management a, a science degree essentially, ostensibly, and then uh, saw the job in the paper for a trainee brewer at DB Breweries and. Bloody hell, I got the job. <laughs> right. So that kind of changed, changed. It was one of those sliding doors moments. You know, I had three job offers to go. One was, you know, in, in different industries. And um, I held out. I, got, I turned up, turned down the other two to get this job in the brewing industry. So, and, and really it was interesting because in the days, and, you know, certainly still is in DB, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big company with continuous fermentation and, uh, and lots of different ways of doing things that we would do in craft. Um, right. Great company to work for. Great education. I got trained in every aspect of the of the brewery, from trade quality right through to uh, you know laboratory trade quality. You know, I was involved in installing all the beer lines at, at, at Eden Park. You know, young trainee brewery. Well, Watson, you get in there, you crawl through that little hole. Right. Um, so <laughs> it was a really gr- an excellent grounding in brewing. Um, and then you know, I, I kind of discovered, I guess, that that the corporate world wasn't for me, and then went over to the UK and. Um, uh, ultimately, I was over there and uh, decided I wanted to, wanted to go out of the brewing industry because I was, you know, I had a um, uh, was travelling a lot. Uh, for, I was travelling for about two years, and then I was in South Africa, and a guy uh, from Neisner, um said uh, we, we went and visited his local craft brewery, and uh, I must have gone through the brewery and, and with my mates, and he came up to me and said, "You know something about brewing, don't you?" And I said, "Oh yeah, yeah." I'd actually before I left. Um, DB had actually sat my my my, my brewmaster's exams and um, and actually passed, which was a, <laughs> right. which was a, uh, I wouldn't say a miracle, but it was good. <laughs> so um, uh, so I, I, I'd actually become a, a qualified brewmaster. And uh, he said, "Look, I've got jobs for you here. I've got jobs for you in Cape Town. I've got a job for you in, in Nairobi. Where do you want to go?" And I said, "Oh, listen, I'm going to South America now um, for the next four months." But we sat and had a beer, and he really the guy's name's Lex Mitchell, um, Mitchell's Brewery in uh, Nice in South Africa. And it was really, I guess, the start of my craft journey because mm-hmm. he, um, we sat down and had a beer for three or four hours and he said, man, I love this. He was an ex-FAB uh, brewer. I love this craft. You know, I haven't had a day off in seven years and I love it. And I thought, oh, okay, there's maybe something in this. So I got back to the UK and I rang up the, 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 the Brewers Guild and the guy picked up the phone at the other end and uh, I said, listen, you've got a job uh, in the brewing industry. He goes, yes, meet me tomorrow afternoon at three o'clock at the White Horse Tavern in Fulham, in Parsons Green. And it uh, turns out, the guy that answered the phone, the guy that, that was setting up this brewery in, in London, is, was kind of the brewmaster of the UK. My guy's name's Alistair Hook. He had a double degree from uh, here at Watt University and the Weinstefan uh, Brewing School in Germany, um, and was kind of the go-to guy in the UK, unbeknownst to me at the time. And um, he offered me a, a job uh, at the Freedom Brewing Company in London in 1995. And uh, I said, yeah, that's great. Um, how much are you going to pay me? And he said, uh, Ooh, I'll pay you $1, one pound an hour. And I said, <laughs> what? 
He goes, I'll pay one pound an hour and as much free beer as you can drink. I went, okay, deal. <laughs> so that was kind of my, that was my start of craft brewing. And, you know, he, he was, he, uh, to this day, is still my, my mentor and friend. Uh, we went to the, the Ashes Cricket uh, in Adelaide last, uh, in November together. So you know, still, still good yeah. mates, you know, uh, 20 years later on. Um, and he really taught me all uh, a lot as much as you can about craft brewing. You know, took me to, you know, we went to Germany on a on a five day ten brewery Weisses nice tour of Bavaria, introduced me all the brewmasters over there from you know from Weinstefan to Hopf Brewery to to uh, Schneiderweiss, Jörg Schneider um, showed us around the brewery. So really great introductions and really good grounding in craft and general brewing as well. Because as a as a Kiwi trained lager brewer, essentially is what I was really wasn't exposed to cask brewing to Belgian uh, wit beers to, sure. to German Hefeweizens. What a, you know, what a fantastic thing is a German Hefeweizen. So um, it was really uh, a great opportunity to learn from the, from the best. And he was got, you know, he obviously, you know, uh, nominated me to judge the world beer cup, which I've done uh, since 2008. Um, so I judge over there uh, every two years. So that's, uh, you know, great uh, mentor to have and, 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 um, got me really into craft. And from there, really, my, my whole career has been in craft. I set up a brewery in Ponsonby Road in, in Auckland in 1999, probably ahead of our time. We did we did okay. That was um, what brewery? And was that Good George yet? St. Anu. St. Anu. No, no. <laughs> oh, no, right. You said five years ago, didn't, didn't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, go on. Uh, yeah, so, so 1999. So um, that was uh, St. Anu and Ponsonby Road. We got bought out by an Australian company. Uh, as part of that, I went to Australia to run that business. Uh, and then quickly realised that Australia was way behind us. You know, I'd go into a bar and say, "Hey, listen, you want to try? You want to buy my beer?" And they'd go, "What? This craft beer thing? It's a fad. It'll never take off." <laughs> right. So it was it was it was hard work in those days. So I then left and set up Australia's first contract brewery, um, and we went from producing five thousand cases of beer a month. The business plan was to produce twenty thousand cases of, of beer in year five. Mm-hmm. Uh, within nine months, we're doing thirty-two thousand cases of beer a month. Wow. It nearly killed me. So you know, we it just you had two arms, two legs. You were hired. Yeah, um, yeah, so yeah. we went through a lot of a, a lot of um, teething problems, and that's what I really probably learned how to run a proper production brewery. You know, and then I left there, and, and then kind of came back to New Zealand and wrote down all the things I learnt, which is you know uh, I, I still refer to it now as my top fifteen. Being a rugby guy, you know, you, you can't mm-hmm. go many more than fifteen. Uh, Twenty three <laughs> these days, isn't it? Um, but you know, of all the things that are critical to running a business, and, and when I, you know, if I do a lecture or I talk somewhere, then I'll often talk about the 15 things that are critical to, to um, what you've got to really maintain and monitor in your brewery. Uh, and then, you know, and then it kind of, as part of that consulting, I was sitting, I worked with DME out of um, Canada, which is the world's largest um, equipment supplier of breweries. Mm-hmm. So I've set up 50 to 60, or 60 to 70 breweries with them now around the world. Uh, still work with them um, today. I was having a call with them this morning. And, um, and so that kind of led me to go, well, look, I'm sick of traveling all the time. Let's start a brewery in Hamilton. Um, that was five years ago, and we haven't looked back. Right, Still right. traveling, though, unfortunately. Right. And how, how, how small <laughs> did you start with Good George? I think you might have said that. And we were, I, I don't recall. Yeah, we were 12 hectares, 12 80,000 liters was our first year. And, you know, look, we thought 15 kegs a week would be would be gold would, would break even and would be happy. Right. But you know there hasn't been a week we've haven't at least doubled that. So right, it's been right. it's been really really good and it's been great to see the people of the Waikato Bay of Plenty, our region, really uh, embrace Good George, which has been awesome. 
Yeah. The kids aren't particularly well known for being parochial. Right, right, right. Well, that certainly was the sentiment in the the email that I received that ultimately led to to reaching out was that there definitely seemed to be a lot of uh, loyalty to the brand um, in the region, which is, as you say, very cool. But just fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let's um, let's talk a bit about the beer. So, so you you decide you want to start a, a brewery, and you do. And what yep. kind of beer do you want to make? And and what describe your approach to yeah deciding what to well, brew? Well, really. Really interesting because we're in Hamilton, right? So that's you've got to you've got to sort of understand where we were coming from. Well, well, Waikato people, we 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 kind of get a feel for what uh, the beer has been sold around here, and you probably know what that is. So we had to develop uh, an approach which wasn't we couldn't go out and just produce ten double IPAs, Belgian quads, and and beers that would blow people's minds. Uh, we had to produce beer which. Um, in our view, would bring people to craft. Right. You know, there's eighty percent of the country, eighty eighty five percent, you know, of the country don't drink craft. Yeah. Right. Sure. So our approach has been to try and bring people to craft. So you know, so we had to produce beers which are which were different, but but approachable. So approachable beers was really our, our motto. So you know, our, we we had a we have still have a, a an amber ale three point seven percent, kind of loosely. Um, uh, based on um, a beer that I love, which is Bookbinder, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that and that, you know, that was kind of our go-to beer in the early days. We have a sparkling pale ale, which is four and a half percent, you know, very heavily hopped uh, back end with, with Galaxy and Amarillo. Again, you can you can not be challenged if you're just going to drink it, um, but if you want to sit there and you know put it in a glass and swirl it around and smell it, it's got those beautiful fresh tropical hops. Um, and then that's where we kind of started. Don't forget, we were in Frankton. We did not have white out of a line red on tap. So people would come in all the time after work and go, hey, I'll never find a white cat. And we go, sorry, we haven't got any. And, you know, right. they would physically start and go, what? <laughs> so we had to be able to just be his, that, you know, people would find powder. So we'd give them a sample and we go, oh, oh, yeah, I can drink that. And sure. then, you know, that's how you kind of want it. And so our, our approach has always been winning hearts and minds just one by one. It's not about, you know, trying to, dominate we keep a very low we're not we're not um showy people we, we, we just keep our we mind our own business and just get on with what doing what we're going to do you know what i mean right well what was that gateway beer what's that oh, what was or is that gateway beer you say people come in well, one in a walk out of draft and, and they give them something and they yeah, like well, that it was the amber oh the amber that was Got the it. amber and oh. then and the sparking at the same time and then we had an ipa 5.8 percent 45 bu's um Heavily hopped at the back end again, like half a kilogram per hectolitre of, of some fantastic hops. Mm-hmm. Um, and within three years, that's become our number one seller. Right, so that, it's really that, yeah. great to see the migration across. So now we've, now we've got in a, a Californian pale ale, an American pale ale, and, and these beers. And then, of course, the, the, what, I, what I registered for a long time was to do a German-style Pilsner. Because uh-huh. you know, my background has always been a lager brewer. So I wanted to do ales. But I I, uh, I succumbed to the the request of doing a a, a pilsner, which gotcha. which won a gold medal last year for us. So it's been F- great for fantastic. us. Is that a, a New Zealand pils or a, a sort of traditional German pils? Traditional German pils, but with a with a with a backbone of New Zealand hops. Got it. So yeah. not 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 in your face uh, aromatic, but just got a nice, really nice citrus, but more multi multi finish to it. Right. Um, but crisp and dry as well. 
Right. Now, you, you know, you talked about how coming in, you couldn't do some, you know, you couldn't be a brewery that brewed these, these Belgian quads or, or anything too far out there because it wouldn't have sort of landed well in, in where you were. Have you started doing any specialties or anything that's a, a, a little bit um, stranger, if you will, or, or are you still sort of sticking, uh, yeah, sticking uh, with the mainstream uh, stuff? Absolutely. You know, the market's evolved from when sure. we started and our customers' palates have evolved as well. So our customers now trust us because we will never give them a shit beer. That's, that's <laughs> right. kind of our, as I said, that's our modus operandi. So yeah. we, you know, we've, we've done lots of collaborations now with some um, local artisans. So uh, we've, we've worked with Donathan's Chocolates here. We've produced a salted, uh, salted uh, caramel chocolate porter. Oh, nice. um, you know, we've done a coffee IPA with Rocket Coffee. So we've done lots of, um, we've done lots of collaborations. And then each month we produce a, a, a brewer series of, really what we the brewers want to do in the brewery. So that could be anything from a Belgian double to a um, to a 7.2% double IPA right. called Bonnie Doon, which right. we would produce for the West Coast IPA Challenge. Um, so there are lots of, uh, lots of scope to be able to do it, and most of those are on draft, and they are, you know, we've got the fortunate that we can produce 25 to 50 kegs of that. It can go straight out to not only our good George venues, but our key partner venues around, around the kind of the top half of the North Island. Right, right. And so that's interesting to kind of hear um, in terms of your approach and the beers that you ultimately set out to brew. My impression has always been that you guys kind of make hoppy beers. But when you describe like the uh, relatively low IBU uh, levels of your of your IPA that, that's, and some of these other styles, it doesn't sound like you're an overwhelmingly hop, hop forward brewery. Uh, am I wrong in my perspective? Or is it just because you're, the hops are actually fresh <laughs> in your beer and therefore? That's been the, the well, reputation. Don't get me wrong; we love hops. Uh-huh. We love hops. Sure, but you know, but it's got to be about balance and drinkability. So, you, with, with hops, you've got to have malt to balance it. And you know, I, I, I judged the New World Beer and Cider Awards last weekend, and how many times did we write "lacks malt to balance the hops"? Lacks. Right. It would have been great to have a stamp: "lacks malt to balance the hops." Right. Because right. a lot of brewers just think hops, 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 hops. And forget about the malt. You've got to have that that balance between the bitterness. While it's a you know while it's a forty five bu um, um, bitterness units in terms of the bitterness, it's the hot flavour which comes through as well. And you balance that malt with it, so you can't have it too mouldy, you can't have it too dry. Otherwise, it becomes just unpalatable. So so one of our things that we really we live for is, is not only not delivering a shit beer, but make sure it's in balance. Yeah, sure, sure. No, I, I think that's great. I mean, uh, that might have sounded loaded. I'm actually the resident malt head around here, so I'm not a guy who goes for overwhelmingly I, hoppy beers. I, I don't mind hoppy beers, but like you say, I, I think I really like uh, like the, need them to be balanced. I don't like a beer that's overly bitter, and I yep. do really like malt yep. flavor. I like to taste, be able to taste yep. some malt in just about anything that I'm drinking. Um, so, uh, But I think that's interesting. And I have... Uh, uh, quite a few friends who are fans of your beer and drink it regularly that are and, and these are these are craft beer fans who know their beer and one of the things that I hear over and over again is just the the good quality that it arrives in and how, how it does arrive fresh and if you want something that's in good oh. condition a hoppy beer that's in good condition then good George's is, is a is a good brand to go with so I mean you seem to be doing well, well on that yeah and that's the really hardest thing to do like I said before so we've just invested you know, a lot of money in a, in a centrifuge, right. which basically is a, is a piece of technology, German technology from GEA, which, which clarifies the beer without stripping out the flavor, but delivers, like, you know, l- guarantees 10 parts per billion oxygen in our bright beer tank, which is incredible uh, in the industry, let alone in the craft, 
which right. means that we can then work from there to make sure we've got bears to last the distance. It's, John, it's bloody hard, <laughs> but we work really yeah. hard at it, yeah. you know? Sure, and, sure. Uh, yeah. I'm still my brothers go, oh, how's Brian? Well, he's a, you know, He's a grumpy bastard at times. <laughs> well, no, it sounds like you're, you're, you're doing it. sounds like you're doing a really good job. Um, you also uh, produce a number of ciders. Is that, is that correct? Tell us yeah, about look, um, it's interesting. Um, we've never really thought of ourselves as cider makers. We've always been brewers who actually happen to make cider. So, you know, I think uh, we were driving back from the judging the World Beer Cup in San Diego uh, in 2012 and really designing the beers uh, as we were driving and um, we thought well let's do a cider um, how do we do a cider well I think you just put an apple juice and you ferment it don't you so we thought well how do we make a, a cider we're brewers what right. would a brewer do so we decided to add hops so we added um, Amarillo and Nuss and Savon to, our, to a cider so we dry hopped it took us a little while to get it right uh, yeah. because you've got to get those hops fast otherwise it comes on the pellet so the the aim of the dry hop cider is to get it aromatic just so you know it's got that white grape mm-hmm. um, passion fruit character and it's a cider so not on the pellet so really hard you've almost just got to wave the hops at it um and we 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 we've done that successfully so the, the very first year we um uh entered that Awards, it won the trophy for best cider in new zealand oh wow. so we were like oh wow this is pretty good yeah and then you know, over the years we We've kind of refined the process. We had a winemaker on our team, and we've had a couple of winemakers through. They make excellent brewers because they've got great palates. They understand fluid dynamics. They understand what it takes to, for fermentation control. And, um, you know, they work very hard on our ciders as well, which means now that we, you know, we consistently win gold medals for our ciders. And then we kind of figured out that, actually, we're doing okay on our ciders. We're, 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 we are, I think, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, independent cider maker in New Zealand. We're like, we didn't even know that. <laughs> right, so wow. now we've kind of thought, sure, well, imagine what we could do if we tried. Right, right. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're about to launch. We'll have just launched um, you know, a, a, an extra dry cider, which is really quite dry and crisp. Um, you know, a, a, a fair dry cider. There's no doubt there's fair in there. Because um, <laughs> you don't want, you know, last thing you want is a cider goes, oh, I can't I, really I, smell yeah, the fair Sure. Um, and then we've got a Kiwi Fruit cider about to be released in the next week or so. So, um, oh, nice. And then our Doris. Our, our sure, Doris sure. has been... We've got a product called Doris Ice. So Doris plums, or back Doris plums, are quite unique to New Zealand. Big, fat, red plum from the Hawke's Bay. And so we, we initially had um, the plums come in. We were adding them to um, our cider because they were a waste product of our pizzas we were making at Good Church. <laughs> so we're making um, pizzas with black Doris plum chutney. Oh, okay. And so um, with this leftover juice. So we decided to put it in the cider. So for quite a while there, we, we only had enough juice to make it um, on uh, you know one or two kegs a week, and that was so they were released on Thursday. So Thursdays became Doris Day, right, uh, right. in the brewery. And for about a year, Doris Day would come, and people would literally come in and go, "Can I have a oh shit? It's only Wednesday," and would turn around and walk out again. <laughs> right, right. So I've, I've never seen anything like it. And so that that product now um, is, is up there with our IPA. Just that one particular product that it's wow. a slightly pink. Um, uh, we use. A lot of black rice plums in there. Uh, in fact, two years ago, it started to get like less pink, less pink as we ran out of plums because the summer was very, very late. <laughs> sure. So we were like, oh, no, what are we going to do? So it just became lighter. We just stretched it out. So, But I'm, I'm happy to say we've got enough enough um, rice plums in a contract for the next forward contract for the next two or three years with um, uh, the guys down in um, the Hawke's Bay. 
Awesome. Well, yeah, the I can... It's been really good. You touched on, you know, the how the sort of challenge of adding hops to cider. Um, if I could press you just for all the homebrewers listening, what sure. what did you ultimately decide was the, the key there? You said wave it at it, but will, like, if you're a homebrewer, if you're giving advice to someone who wants to make a hop cider, what, what is the key to getting that balance right? You've got to get the ciders in and get them out, and you've got to choose the right hops. So, you know, you've got to use hops which which don't have a a, 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 a big... Um, they don't have a big bitterness character to them. They've got to be very aromatic hops with low, low alpha acid, and you need to be able to get them in and get them out no more than twenty four hours. Oh wow! They've got okay. to be in and out. Okay. You know, so and it can be done cold. It still comes through cold. Sure. We don't heat them up or anything. Sure. But you just got to get them in in less than twenty four hours. You got to get them out. So whether that's through filtration or um, you know findings or whatever. And and why is that? that? Is it do you start key. getting vegetal matter if you live it too long? That's right. 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 Yeah. Or you start getting extracting extraction of the not only vegetal matter, but even the the hot compounds can come through onto your palate, which I is see. not what you want. It's got to be a cider first, and just have that that beautiful uh, hop aroma without coming through onto the palate. And are you using an amount similar to say a low dry hop, or are you using even less than that? Yeah, like low, dry right, yeah right. low dry hop. Yeah, low dry hop. Yeah, one hundred, two hundred. Um, uh, 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 0.2, 0.1 to 0.2 kilograms per right. Um So it, it gives us the ability to be able to get out, but I, I can't stress it enough. And it's a, you know, it's actually quite a, a, you know, for all home brewers, get your hops out as fast, you know, no more than 72 hours. Right, right. Even for even for beer. So I don't want to press you for any trade secrets, but if you were to list a couple of varieties that would work in this kind of thing, you know, what what are a couple of varieties that you think oh, would work? Oh, you know, a couple of good New, New Zealand varieties. So Waimea, uh, Nelson Savon. Uh, in the US, you'd be looking at Amarillo, Citra, Centennial, probably uh, Galaxy would be a really good one out of Australia. You know, just highly aromatic hops with citrus passion fruit mango kind of characters uh or you know white grape really lead well to that you know you don't want to be using simcoe right. for example right, it's right. going to give you that piney de- it's not what you want sure. you're wanting you're looking for that light tropical i think we actually just i think we're looking at uh, changing the name i think it's going to be called i think we're, we're coming from drop hop to a, i think a tropical hop cider or something like that because it people just aren't getting this whole drop hop thing it's kind of a roadblock for cider drinkers. Right, right. Yeah, I'll have to give that a try. I, I'll confess I have not uh, uh, seen it. I know I've had your your Doris um, plum cider, but I've not I've not had the um, the hot one, so I'll have to, yeah. have to seek that out. Um, speaking of brewing and recipes and all that, one of the things that we like to do uh, here on the show is try to press the brewers for a recipe of one of their beers so all the home brewers listening to this can go out, buy, buy your beer, and also take a crack at brewing it and seeing how... how Yep. close they can get to the mark so uh do you have a recipe you might be willing to share share with us today yeah absolutely absolutely i mean you know one thing we we're sitting now as a company quite transparent and, and as a brewer you know there's we have a really strong brewing fraternity i guess in terms of sharing and be able to to bounce ideas and if you have an issue you can call up most brewers and they'll help you um certainly and certainly uh brewers that have been around for a while and know their stuff so uh, generally, you know, I always say the more you know about brewing, uh, the more you realize there's no secrets. The less you know, the more you think everybody else is wrong and whatever you're doing is right. <laughs> right, um, right. So, it's, uh, um, so you'll, you'll find some brewers will be quite secretive about it. It's pretty just because they don't know that, that 
that actually there's, there's no real secrets. There's a few little things, but it's really about the techniques and the repeatability and consistency of what you do. So, you know, our, our sparkling ale is, is pretty simple, really. You know, we, we work pretty closely with Gladfield and Cryomalts, actually. We, we love David Cryomalts and Cryomalts. Um, but, you know, we're for our Pilsner, uh, sorry, for our sparkling pale ale for a 20 heck batch. Uh, we're we're um, 45% um, Gladfield ale and 45% Gladfield Pilsner malts. Uh, we're 5% wheat malt and 5% carapil. So the wheat gives us a little bit of head retention and the carapils gives us a little bit of, a little bit of body. And the reason for the ale with some of the pills in it, just to give us a little bit of depth. Yes, it's a very hot forward beer, but as I said before, you've got to have the balance. Right. Um, uh, and, and then for the hops, Pacific Jade, fantastic Kiwi hop. It's a backbone of all of our beers. And we do that because it's got great and it's got great flavor. You know, it's 13.5% upper acid, so it's, it's up there in upper acid. Um, and so we're about, in terms of that, uh, for a 20-heck batch. Now, now, we convert everything into uh, IBU, which is actually what we're contributing. It depends on where you add it in the kettle. But sure. um, how do you – I can I can tell you what we use. Um, Pacific Jade, 10 grams of it, 100 grams of it, and this is a 20-heck batch, 100 grams in the kettle for bittering. We use uh, 400 grams of Amarillo and 400 grams of Galaxy for uh, flavor hops. Really good, uh, important to get flavor hops through your beer. And right at the Whirlpool end, we use 450 grams of Amarillo and 450 grams of Galaxy. So not many hops in the kettle. Right, right. Um, because we're only looking for 21, 22 bitterness units. So we want to keep it quite low and bitter, nicely balanced, but it's all about that dry hopped aroma. Right. USO5, right. fantastic, fantastic um, yeast. Uh, not very flocculent, doesn't sell out very well. Um, and then uh, we've made it around 20 degrees. We then dry hop. Um, so the secret for us in dry hop is, is not only how we mix it into there, but uh, which you've got to mix it in quite well. Um, we're about uh, we're 0.2 kilograms per hectolitre of, um, of Amarillo and 0.2 per galaxy. So it's 400 grams per hectolitre, which is a, it, it, it's a reasonable total of, of dry hop, but because it's only 4.5% beer, you can't overload it with dry right, hop. Sure. Otherwise, it totally, totally drives the dots the wrong way. Gotcha. So, so you wouldn't call it lightly dry hopped. You'd be call it moderately dry hopped. Sure, sure. Well, I, I'll convert all of this into we sort of work with a 23-liter sort of standard homebrew yep. batch size. So I'll convert all that later and, and repeat it in the recipe recap. But I do have a couple of questions um, for this recipe sure. along the way. For starters, um, let's just talk about the water. Do you do anything special to the water? What kind of profile yep. should, should brewers be looking for? We uh, we, uh, you're looking for a, a, a not soft, but not hard water, the medium water. So we're in calcium sulfate and calcium chloride. We have very soft water here in the Waikato. So we're looking, you know, we had a little bit of calcium sulfate for a little, uh, for a little bit of uh, talkiness, but we also, calcium chloride uh, gives you a little bit of, uh, um, this particular chloride ion gives you a bit of um, balance to it and, and a bit of adds to the body of the beer. Right, so right. The sulfate, sulfate contributes to hop flavor and aroma and the chloride contributes to body right and unless you have a sort of parts per million or any of that in front of you i would it be safe to say and uh, get with when it comes oh, sorry look, did i cut you off there did, did yeah, you have yeah look i don't have it in front of me uh but we're, uh, the calcium chloride would be looking at probably 20 to 25 uh, ppm so it's, it's not not particularly high right right got it cool um and, and but i can't think 
um, yeah, yeah, I tend to sort of, I'm not very technical when it comes to water. I tend to think I either want it uh, sort of a little bit of minerals or a lot of minerals. And if it's just sort of a nice balanced beer with a little bit of minerals, then I'll go like about a teaspoon and then I'll sort of mix it up accordingly for a 23 liter batch. And that tends to work. Yeah, I've given Brent Edwards, uh, who's one of our brewers, how lucky he's been with us for five years, a bloody good brewer. I've given him the task of reviewing all of our recipes and, and really looking at our water quality. It does vary depending on the time of year. Sure, so sure. we need to be a bit better at monitoring it. So so Brent's working on that as we speak. Very cool, very cool. Well, um, what about the match temp? What are we doing there? Match temp, very simple. We, we're like, we'd like to keep things simple. It's a very simple Mash in 60, 67 degrees Celsius, 67 68 degrees Celsius. So single step infusion mash. Um, we we keep it really simple. We can we can we'll probably do two. We'll do a brew every six hours. Uh, so we're, uh, sorry, our, our brew length is about six hours, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we can you know like I say, we, but we can do two brews in nine hours. Right. So because obviously you're starting the second one. So mashing in at sixty seven degrees. Pretty straightforward. I think it sits for 60 minutes until the iodine, you know, until we've done a starch test. Uh, and then it only takes 45 minutes to an hour to water. Right. Um, and then we boil it up and we're boiling for 60 minutes. Um, so not, not 90, 60 minutes. Uh, whirlpooling and then pumping away at 20 degrees. And that takes about 20 minutes to pump away. Right. Is, is there? Do you think there's any difference with that much volume in terms of the fermentation temp going at uh, 20 degrees? Like, is it the kind of thing where homebrewers might want to notch that back a, a degree or, or two? Or you, you reckon uh, with your volume, it's not going to, the pressure is not going to have that um, suppressive uh, effects? Uh, you look, you wouldn't. No, look, uh, I would stick at 20. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got a couple of, you know, small vessels that we do trial brews. We've got a barrel aging program as well. And we, you know, we pretty much do most of our ales around that 20. Do, we don't let it get above 22. That's our kind of maximum. Right. Um, and, you know, uh, we, for our, obviously our lagers, we, we, we permit probably a lot lower at 12 to, 12 to 16, right. that range. Right. But with the ales, 20 is really, we found a really sweet spot for that USO5. Uh, it can just, no matter what, it's a, uh, a pile out four percent or a, or a double IPA at seven point two. It just chugs away. Right. It's really twenties. Twenties a sweet spot. And you ramp it up again for a for a diacetyl rest or anything. Oh uh, well, the diacetyl rest is interesting because it co- coincides, of course, with a um, with a dry hop. So we need to do a diacetyl rest. We do a diacetyl test prior right. to dry to make sure that it's done. And it's, um, gotcha. But yeah, we, we uh, dry hopping is a really good way of doing di- a natural diacetyl test as long as you're not adding oxygen as part of your dry hopping regime. Right, right, right. Well, very cool. Um, I think that covers it. Anything I'm leaving out there? Oh, no, look, you know, it, it's, um, it, it's, it brings a, you know, a, a great industry to be in, and we've got a great bunch of brewers here in New Zealand, so thoroughly enjoy the, the industry and the people in it. It's great fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, sorry, and, and actually I should have asked this probably going into it. If somebody tackles that, that recipe and gives it a go, what kind of beer are they going to get? Describe the beer a bit. Oh look! I'll get a um, I'll get a really well balanced beer, uh, light golden colour. Uh, it will have um, passion fruit and mango, tropical fruit on the aroma, um, and it'll be just a really nice drinking beer. So not not too bitter, not too sweet, because it should finish at around ten uh, ten or two point five two point five play doh. So it should be a you know it should be quite a reasonably dry. I found from you know years in brewing that ten ten seems to be the sweet spot for a lot of these beers. Um, if you want something dry, you can take it down to 1,008 or 2 Play-Doh. Um, 
And so you're looking for a beer which is very sessionable right, um, with, right. with great tropical and, and tropical aroma. That actually reminds me, you mentioned the sort of finishing gravity. What's the starting gravity? And I know you didn't mention it, but what's the final ABV? 4.5. 4.5. Got it. So 4.5 finishing at 1010, and, and you'll have. Yeah, so it'll be around cool. 11 Plato. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Well, what what else is coming down the pipeline? Anything you mentioned? A barrel program? Like, what, what else can we look forward to from Good oh, George? We've got heaps of exciting stuff coming up. It's, yeah, you know, it's really good. The great thing about having your own brewery, and I, and I, I talked to the IBD conference um, a while back, um, the great thing about having your own brewery is it can do whatever you like. You know, yeah, sure. contract brewery, you've got to do a minimum, you know, if you contract with someone else, you've got to do a minimum of 10,000 litres or something of, of a double IPA that you may or may not sell. So right. I think our, our, our summer release is, a, is an East Coast IPA. I was in New York a couple of weeks ago looking at the East Coast IPAs. Oh, my goodness, there's some uh, extreme examples. It's, you know, 60% oats and, right. you know, hops that you're just chewing on. So, you know, ours would be, you know, we will, use, we will be using a lot of oats, but you're using traditional um, methods as well for, for maintaining that hay. So East Coast IPA is coming up uh, um, uh, soon for us. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of really uh, good, um, the barrel aging program, we're tasting that, I think, tomorrow to see where we're at with that. Uh, well, they've been down for nine months now. What is so it they, What do you nice have cool. in the barrels? Oh, we've got uh, 10, uh, we've got Heaven Hills Distillery bourbon barrels. Uh, we've, got, we've got an Imperial, we've got an Imperial IPA and a beer to garden. Oh, wow. uh, we've got uh, we've got um, white uh, white wine barrels. I think Gewurz barrels. I don't know why people would put uh, Gewurz in a white wine barrel, but uh, in a <laughs> barrel. But um, you know, we've got a um, uh, uh, I get, saison's not the right word, but a more of a, a French style beer coming in through there. So there's lots of yeah. You know, we've just got different barrels. I mean, the great thing about barrel aging is, of course, that you get different from barrel to barrel. You can get variations. Right, right. So um, it, it, it's um, oh, we've got a Fender's Red, I think, in the in one oh, of them nice. as well. Yeah, that's well, one, and, one and of my faves. Of them, so yeah, so Fender's Red in there. Um, so that that'll be a, a kind of a very limited release in you know in, in nice bottles. We supply uh, all the beer to Hobbiton, so you know specific recipes to them, which has been a fantastic uh, thing for us. Uh, and they've got some you know awesome bottles as well. So we might uh, try and borrow a couple of those bottles right. <laughs> to. Uh, to put our barrel aged beers into. I was going to ask about that. Will we in some of the more far flung regions of the country be able to get some of those those rare and specialty kind of beers, or are they going to be more oh. available just in, in the in the in your pubs? It's a really good question. I, the answer is we don't know yet. <laughs> yeah, so, so, yeah, well, I would like to think we're pretty organised, which we are in terms of NPD programs out to the end of the year. Um, you know how we we do these barrel age things is really it's a this one is a particular brewing lead um, initiative. So we as the brewing team and you know there's a few of us have to then agree. Okay, right now how are we gonna, what we're going to do it? We're going to do 100 bottles of each or you know 500 bottles of each and how we're going to fill it for a start because we don't want it anywhere near our filler. Right. Um, so so the answer is don't know yet. We're working <laughs> right. on it. Sit there, sit there with a Blickman beer gun, just just one at a time. Yeah, probably, probably. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, very cool. I, I, uh, you know, we should probably wrap up, but I, I got to ask, and you probably can't say anything about it yet. But I know, I know, you mentioned that you judged the New World Beer Awards, and I know that they they just kind of concluded, but haven't announced yet. Uh, what can you tell us about uh, this year's uh, entries, if anything? Oh, look, I think as far as I, you know, it was about six hundred entries, so it was up quite a bit on last year. 
Um, it was you know great fun to judge, an excellent, uh, very very well run competition. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the second year I've judged there, um, and we had you know really good brewers as table captains. You know Shane from Steam and Tracy from from Sprig and Fern, uh, Jeff Griggs, uh, beer writer down in Nelson. Sure. Um, and then you know and obviously they were doing a, a, a totally separate. Um, cider table as well so cider guys we had Gabe from the UK um, who was leading the cider table so it, it, was, a, it was a good competition with um, some pretty good beers so right. it'll be interesting to see we're all waiting with bated breath I hear uh, I hear it was a tough one this year in terms of gold medals oh look it's, we are tough as judges we don't hand out gold medals to anybody yeah, uh, sure. willy nilly so um, you know beer to be a gold medal it's really got to stand out yeah. really has to stand out and just you know and, and I've been in competitions where we've had seven judges around the table and I've gone right okay righto what do you think and you're just going gold 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 <laughs> I mean right. it's just so stand out sure. but most of the time it's you know you can go from oh gold gold no medal bronze <laughs> right. gold silver yeah, right. thinking, oh, and then you've got to try to moderate so um, getting a gold medal is really really hard and right. so if people that get a gold should be really pleased with the quality of the beer that they're doing because it does mean it's a world-class example. I think it was uh, Michael Donaldson who said something somewhere um, that anyone who won a gold this year uh, really deserved it, and the implication being that, <laughs> that, that right. there were not many uh, golds yeah, that yeah, added up. Yeah. But um, yeah. but uh, yeah, no, excited to excited to see when or hear when they're finally announced, so we can we can talk about it a bit yeah. on the show. I'm not sure the date. Yeah, well. Um, I think that's us. I really appreciate you right. you coming on the show. I really appreciate you sharing the recipe. I know other home brewers uh, will as well. And like I say, you you come as uh, you you appear on the show as a request from listeners. So um, I think that's a fantastic sign about the the quality of the beer and the reputation and bond and connection you have with your your fans, your followers, your your drinkers. So good on you. And and yeah, thanks again. Fantastic. We we, we love it. We love what we do. Isn't it great? Thanks very much. Cheers. Cheers. Compact and simple to use with a small footprint for brewing indoors, the Grainfather makes it easy for you to brew professional quality beers at home. The Grainfather is an all-in-one brewing system that lets you brew all-grain beer in a single compact stainless steel unit. It uses an electric heating element and pump to maintain a constant temperature and to circulate the wort during the mashing and cooling stages. It also comes with a counterflow chiller to reduce chilling times and produce high quality wort. And now, with the addition of their conical fermenter, the Grainfather takes things one step further by offering homebrewers state-of-the-art temperature-controlled fermentation just like commercial breweries use. And with the Grainfather Recipe Creator and Connect app, you can easily design a recipe, sync your brewing system with your phone, and then just sit back and relax as the app takes over and assures that you maintain your scheduled mash temps and boil schedule. Head to grainfather.com to purchase your all-in-one brewing system today and to sign up for their free recipe creator tool. Once more, head on over to grainfather.com, that's grainfather.com, and get started today. Pānui Bruco is a fast-growing farmhouse brewery located at Kirikiri in the far north, offering a wide range of beer styles from our highly sessionable Woodamu Wallace Scottish Ale to our unfiltered East Coast Double IPA bursting with juicy tropical fruit flavours or if you prefer the complexities of farmhouse ales and mixed ferments then try our Summer Love Saison a refreshing Belgian Saison that is brimming with notes of black pepper and ripe pineapple just one of the many enticing beers in our farmhouse and sour funk series to find out more about our tasting room 
trading hours for our growing lineup of beers, go to kainuibruco.co.nz. That's kainuibruco.co.nz. Kia ora. We are back. Uh, so, what'd you think there, Gary? What'd you what you what'd you learn about Good George after listening to that? I learned quite a lot, John. Um, he, I didn't know anything about Brian Watson. Um, he's obviously a very experienced man and talks quite fast. <laughs> I, I, I like fast talkers. Yeah, he's, he, he's a smart smart man, you know. And yeah, uh, yeah. And when he, the he thoughts bruised. come fast, the words come fast. <laughs> Um, yeah, brews awesome beer, and I've, I've been a fan for good of Good George. Um, but it, it is—it's always awesome to hear the backstory, um, and yeah, and, and just you know, he's a man after my own heart with his with his uh, passion for quality and his just oh, what's the word I'm looking for? But he, he's striving for quality. Yeah, so, um, for sure. No, it's, it's really it's really good to hear that sort of thing. And, and the top level brewers—I mean, a million. What did you say? A million liters per year that's you know that's a lot of beer i don't remember to be honest yeah but it it was a lot um i i agree yeah i was really impressed by their um yeah just the shorter shorter than usual shelf lives and his obvious attention to quality and freshness and you know i think i think you can taste it in the beer i it does i've always thought maybe it was you know good fresh yeah (laughs) i I, I, well i'll be honest i don't it's not a, a brand that i have typically reached for again more because i've i've always thought of them as a a hop a hoppy brewery, um, or more, you know, having a hop forward kind of lineup. Um, but it makes me want to re- reach for them a little more often actually after hearing that. And like I said, the other day I, I had their black lager, which is not a overly hoppy beer. It's more like a Schwarz beer. And, uh, it was really good. Just, uh, absolutely mm. enjoyed it. And this, you know, again, the cider, um, not, not the biggest cider fan, but it's, it's also really good. And, and, I think it does appeal to the sort of mainstream market. It 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 lines up in terms of that balance with what others are producing in the market, but it's right on the safe side in terms of sweetness. Like I can actually drink a fair quantity of it without, um, you know, feeling mm. that it's too cloyingly sweet, um, as yeah. as ciders <clears throat> go. Um, I'm going to do a quick uh, recipe recap here just for anyone. Again, we always convert these into 23 liter batches um, for the average home brewer. The idea there being that uh, a couple of liters are going to be left behind in your uh, kettle and a couple more are going to be left behind in your fermenter. And hopefully you're going to get about 19 liters or one keg full of finished beer. So for a 23 liter batch, and I want you to pay attention to the hop quantities and the, the IBUs that I get and tell me your thoughts and see if you'd make any adjustments uh, to the recipe, uh, as I've directly converted it. But if you'd make any adjustments for the average home brewer. So again, 23 liter batch starting gravity. Um, we got, uh, 1044 final gravity, 1010 for a beer that is 4.5%, uh, alcohol. Uh, we are going to use 2.09 kgs of basically two row, uh, 2.09 kgs of, uh, Pilsner malt, we got 210 grams of wheat, uh, 210 grams of carapils. Uh, we are going to mash at 67 degrees C. If you, uh, if you, if you know your water and you want to, uh, assuming you're using the sort of 
typically, but not, you know, not exclusively, but typically soft water here in New Zealand, you might you might try throwing um, maybe three quarters of a teaspoon of calcium chloride chloride in there and um, a quarter teaspoon of calcium sulfate, perhaps. Um, and then again, I said I said the mash temp tonight. You're gonna mash for uh, at 67 degrees, and in the boil, 60 minute boil, you're gonna add. And this this is this is such a small amount that um, I can't feel that it, I, I can't help but feel that it's wrong, but just just two grams of Pacific Jade hops um, for 60 minutes. Then we got five grams of Amar uh, Amarillo, and sorry, that was 13.5% uh, uh, AA or alpha acid um, for uh, on the Pacific Jade, that is. And for the Amarillo, it's 9% uh, uh, alpha acid, and we're going five grams for 30 minutes. Galaxy, we got 16.2% alpha acid for 30 minutes. Uh, Amarillo, uh, again, at flame out, uh, or in the whirlpool, if you are whirlpooling, um, we've got five grams there. Galaxy hops, uh, again, at flame out, uh, five grams there. Then you're going to dry hop just two grams of Amarillo and two grams of Galaxy hops. Uh, you're going to ferment uh, at 20 degrees. Uh, he didn't specifically mention a diacetyl rest because they do a diacetyl test, but I think the average home brewer would benefit from ramping up at the end of fermentation there. Um, by a degree or two, just to let the yeast finish things off, and that should get you a really nice beer that is pretty damn close to Good George's um, sparkling ale. Well, thank, you know, frankly, it should be a clone because that is their recipe directly translated uh, to homebrew proportions. Now, the only issue that I have is that my calculations with my probably far from perfect software is that it only comes out to 15 IBUs, whereas their recipe calculates to 20.9 IBUs. And I just can't help but think if I was going to, and I'm, you know, unfortunately I'm not tasting this, but if I was going to try and match this recipe, I might, I might bump up just, you know, uh, uh, the hops just a tiny bit. Um, and maybe the, the dry hop as well, just by a few grams. But am I overthinking that? Would you stick with that recipe? Mm. Just four grams of hops? In the, as well, a dry hop? <clears throat> By my calculation, that comes at about one gram per liter of hops over the whole recipe, which is seems low to me. Um, it's it's less than that. It's four grams for per for eighteen, uh, or not, sorry, uh, dry hop. Yeah, you're gonna have no more like 20, 20, 21 liters in your fermenter there. So you're talking what is that point? I can't do that math fast enough for some reason. Is that point five? I think it's about a gram per liter. No, that would be that would be twenty liters. I mean, that would be twenty grams. This is four grams. Oh, of just the dry hop. No, I'm yeah. talking about the total. Oh, total right, right, right. Hops, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I was talking. Which is only a gram per liter, which is, seems ridiculously low to me. Um, twenty six. Yeah, it's it's a little more than a gram per liter total. Yeah. So, I'd, yeah, I'd maybe double check with him. I don't know. Oh no, um, uh, he gave me he gave me the recipe straight from his software. So I, I'm quite confident uh, that this is this is the the right recipe. I just don't uh, know if there's any weird voodoo that happens when you're doing 20 hectoliters, um, and I also don't know how their whirlpool process is going to compare yeah. to the average. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I did not get that question. Like it might be a 40 minute whirlpool, whereas the average, you know, at flame out, you're only going to you're, you're going to be dropping that temp pretty quick. Um, and a much quicker than 40 minutes. And, and, you know, that extra bitterness that one might extract would, um, 
uh, ultimately affect how bitter the beer is. Bottom line mm. is, if you if you want to play with this and and really try and match it, I'd start plugging away in your software, assuming you use Beersmith or something, and try to hit twenty point nine IBUs because that's that's the total IBUs that they're ultimately um, twenty point nine. What did you yeah. come up with? 15? I came up with fifteen. Um, but again, I don't, uh, the, with the software I use, it's not giving me, uh, bitterness from, uh, uh, Whirlpool edition. So I calculate with a, a one minute edition and it tends to come out pretty, pretty correct from my experience. Mm. So, um, but I know others sometimes will calculate 10 minutes or five minutes and, you know, that little adjustment probably would have, uh, taken care of it. But because I always do the one minute, um, calculation, that's what I stuck with. I don't know. Um, that's that is literally the recipe. Uh, plug it into your software and see what you get. And I think I think being aware of your uh, just making sure that you're not chilling so fast that you're you're not extracting that ne- necessary additional bitterness um, to hit ultimately that you know pretty close to twenty or twenty one uh, IBUs total. Um, so if you are going to take a stab at this recipe, and I know I'm, I'm sure many of you are, then you are going to want to head on over to our favorite homebrew shop. This is, of course, brewshop.co.nz and, uh, you know, grab yourself those ingredients. And of course, you can use uh, coupon code NZBrewer. So that's one word, NZBrewer, uh, over at brewshop.co.nz. Enter that coupon code. That'll get you 10% off on all ingredients, uh, throughout the store. And they've extended that, uh, deal one more time to last, uh, through the month of May. So go take advantage of that. I know many of you have been already, and that is pretty awesome to hear. Um, something I wanted to uh, point out to, to, well, to you, Gary, and to everybody else. There's this new product. Uh, have you seen it? It's called Stellar San. It's a sanitizer. It's a no rinse sanitizer. Have you seen this? I haven't, John. This is news to me. <laughs> Very exciting stuff. So, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to pick on any other brands or mention them by name, but we're all probably any, any serious home brewer is probably familiar with a very famous no rinse sanitizer. It gets kind of foamy there. Um, you know, certainly sanitization is key to everything. I think it's the number one thing that most, uh, or that home brewers tend to screw up if they're going to be making mistakes. San- sanitization is everything. And they're, the Frankly, there are a lot of crappy products out there. A lot of people still shockingly using things like bleach to sanitize their their uh, equipment. And you really want to get yourself a no-rinse, food-grade uh, sanitizer. And they've got this new product that is very, very much, in fact, uh, I believe it's almost identical, if not identical, to other similar products on the market. However, what is what is not similar is the price. You can get uh, 500 mils of this stuff for, I think it's $12.95, where other similar products are 30 bucks for the same sanitizer. And Brew Shop has now got it. So I know that I know that this is you know this is a significant expense. I come to over to your house every time I need some sanitizer to fill up because you get wholesale prices because the stuff is expensive, especially when you start getting the bigger bottles and so um it's a pretty cool product they're they're carrying it it'll save you money again you head on over to brewshop.co.nz um and and check out the product you you type in stellar sand so that's s-t-e-l-l-a-r-s-a-n um you just uh you squirt a little bit of the stuff into the little container what do you call it the capsule at the top there measures it for you you pour it into the appropriate amount of water and uh you shake it all up and you just dip your equipment into <laughs> I knew that was going to get a laugh. Dude, I knew that dude. was going to get you. 
you dip you always you always talk about dipping your, your equipment normally it's off here hey yeah. hey i you know i like clean equipment gary um mm. so you dip your 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 gear your your junk your your stuff <laughs> into uh into this this food grade sanitizer and you're not going to get any nasty stuff that is going to make your beer taste gross yeah so so go check it out again at brewshop.co.nz uh and uh enter coupon code nz brewer to save 10 percent on ingredients throughout uh this month and next month and until the end of may all right so what else is going on was there is there other stuff to talk about? What, what do we got? I know we got questions. We got anything else that I'm I'm inevitably forgetting before we we get to those questions? You always tell me. Oh no, you did the recipe recap. That's what you normally miss. Yeah, that's your, that's your thing. I think I'm gonna need to uh, pour myself some more cider. Normally we're popping a second beer at this stage, but again, I got a liter of cider here to to get through. How? I'll how, you how another you beer. <laughs> you got to go get another beer. <laughs> yeah. You had you had nearly an hour to sit there uh, uh, while you listen to that interview and you forgot to get your beer gary 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 okay so i'm working on this uh yeah once again i'm drinking good george brewing company's uh doris cider with black doris plum juice and it's and it's you know it's really nice um so let's see here i know we we put out a call to um a request for questions and we got we got a good good um a good handful of them, and Gary, when whenever he gets back in his seat there and pops his, I know you're there, he's going to read them to us while he while he gets comfortable and pops that beer. I just want to remind everyone: if you do enjoy this podcast, do us a solid. Head on over to iTunes or wherever it is that you listen to this podcast, and uh, and mute Gary's microphone. No, uh, leave us a a rating and review because those things they they really do help they help uh they send the signal to other other would-be listeners that the show is worth listening to so do us a favor head on over to itunes and leave that rating and review so Dude, uh it's get, so worth listening to john it really is it is right yeah. um so what do you what are you drinking there gary um am i allowed to say um oh is, is it let me guess world's, world's greatest beer <laughs> if you really are you really <laughs> Dude. Oh. He's drinking Kainui Bruco. What 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 wonderful beer from Kainui Bruco are you drinking? The Postman Pilsner. The the Postman Pilsner. You it know that's delicious. That thing smells the, delicious. It always delivers, doesn't it, Gary? The Postman always delivers, John. Mm. No, it is it is a great beer, and um, you can't get it at the tasting room for at least a little while, can you? Because the tasting oh, room is closed. now closed for. For the remainder of well, for winter, we're closed, but we're going to be back bigger and better next year, John. But you can get some Postman Pilsner if you head on uh, down to uh, the Packhouse Markets in Kerry Kerry. If you're up visiting uh, the far north, head on over there and and uh, get some beer from Gary. Shake his hand, say hey, tell him you you heard about us on the podcast. You've been having. Mm-hmm. You've been getting some some podcast listeners down to yeah, the... Yeah, it's uh, cool, eh? It is. People, people turn up and say, oh, I've been, you know, been listening to the podcast, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, cool to come down and, uh, like, you know, they've heard about the the market there, so they come on down and have a chat about beer, and it's it's awesome. It's really cool to talk to like-minded people um, about beer and, yeah. Who like awesome. us. Yeah, they, they think we're pretty <laughs> cool as well, apparently. Yeah, yeah, well, you yeah. can't argue with that. Yeah. Um, 
So uh, let's take some questions, shall we? Yeah, let's take some few questions. Is that, is that my cue? Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Gary's going to um, uh, read some Scroll questions. quickly. While he does that, um, if you have a question you'd like to ask on the show, then by all means, head on over. Now, find us on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash New Zealand Brewer. Or head on over to the website, newzealandbrewer.co.nz, uh, and send us either a message or email. And let us know that you'd like to... Uh, You'd like us to answer the question on the show, and we will we will do that as we are about to. Gary, you got those loaded up? Are you ready for the first question, Joe? I'm so ready, Gary. Give it to me. <laughs> it just got weird. Have you read these questions? Uh, I did, and then I forgot. I forgot what they were because yeah, once again, we were supposed yeah. to record last week. We told everyone we we're recording tonight, and then what happened there? What, what, why didn't we record? Oh, somebody, somebody. Couldn't be fucked, I think, was the Ooh. official. No. Pretty sure that wasn't my excuse. <laughs> super busy. Oh, su- super busy. I had country calendar. I like, just want to have a party. Oh, um, Luke Butters is Luke Butters. I want to be friends with Luke Butters. All right. I just I just purchased a pressure fermenter. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Pretty, any tips would be much appreciated, John. Pretty so, sure he's trolling us. No, no, I, I think that was was that. I don't know. I don't know. That would be brilliant if it was. Oh, that would be brilliant. It didn't even dawn. It didn't even occur to me. So, so the the joke. And then someone else says these they are not fans of pressure fermenting. Luke, but it says I think they have a closet love pressure fermenting, and it's true. So maybe is winding us up. So do we answer this? <laughs> do we? So if anybody, you have, to answer it. you have to answer it. If if anybody has no idea what we're rambling about, um, it's been an on. It's been asked in virtually every Q and A session. I think somebody asks about pressure <laughs> pressure fermenting, and and we always, you know, we're not. John hates on them. No, I don't. No, but I've gone out of my way to like bring it back up you, when unnecessary. You always tell me after the show how much you hate. And how much do you hate the people that do it? <laughs> I've never said that. I don't. I don't. I think they're wonderful people just trying to make the best beer possible um, with some with some wonderful pressure fermenters um, made by some wonderful companies that may or may not sponsor this show. Um, let's see. Uh, what, what, was, <laughs> what was the question? I just pushed it for- I just purchased a pressure fermenter. Any tips would be much appreciated. He's he's having a laugh. Yeah, but all right. Answer it. Okay, answer so the, it. I'm going to answer really quick because people who don't know the show are wondering what the fuck we're going on about. So uh, pressure fermenting, um, you know, perfectly fine way to make fast, uh, supposedly consistent beer w- w- that is going to generally come out uh clean and it will have a tendency to suppress esters but i'm not a fan of it gary has expressed in previous shows he's not really a huge fan of it because uh it doesn't really contribute to yeast health and you should be able to get those same characteristics in a beer by uh you know through through just general yeast health the biggest reason i'm not a a huge fan of it is because uh it does suppress those esters and i tend to like that perfect expression of yeast character even if it's something clean like a a lager yeast um and, and i do brew a lot of belgians and and funky beers and things like that where i really do want all of that character 
coming out. So that's why I'm not a huge fan of it. I know it's quite popular and it probably will get you a nice clean beer a few days earlier uh, than you would otherwise. But, you know, we've we've talked about this on other shows enough to not go on and on and on about it. Um, anything to add before we take the next question? But but very funny post if it if if it, oh, that's brilliant. Know, if that's it was brilliant. Trying. I love it. Um John hates you all, by the way, if you do push for being here, hates you. No, that's not true. Um but I don't. That's no, not it's not true. Um <laughs> Oh yeah, just just crank the crank the temperature it's up. Not, it's not true that you it's not true that you don't hate them. No, I hate everyone. I'm, I'm just um, so confused. Cr- yeah, so am I as crank our the pressure listeners. up. Crank the pressure up. No, crank the temperature up. Crank the pressure up and you make some good beer. Fast, real fast. In a pressure fermenter. Is that what you just said? Mm. Yeah, you can put the, you can have the temperature a little bit higher, you know, if you're pressure fermenting and you can make beer faster. Did you not know that? Um, No, yeah, I I did. We're doing a terrible job. This is, we don't know whether or not to take this. No, no, no. Start again. No, we can leave it. (laughs) okay next one i'd like to learn more about oxidation post-fermentation and is closed transfer essential for the home brewer well you want to take this one uh uh, i have to read that to like take it in now um is closed transfer essential for the home brewer well it depends what you're after if you're entering competition i would say it's definitely essential um if you ask any homebrew beer judges, I'm sure they would say that the biggest um, thing that they would like to see gone is oxidation. Or, you know, the biggest flaw, that they, well, the most common flaw would be oxidation. So <clears throat> if you're entering competitions, then definitely I'd say closed transfer is the ideal thing to do. Um, there's so much to learn about oxidation post-fermentation. It's not... The thing, I'll go on and on about it, just keeping oxygen out is a good way to keep, you know, for longevity of the beer. Brian Watson just gave, talked about how important it is. Um, but the thing about oxidation is it's not just oxygen that's that's the, the culprit. Um, you, uh, oxidation is a gain of oxygen, but it's also a loss of electron. So if you have things like iron and um, copper in your water, in your in your brewing water, they they are positively charged those ions, and they can they can take away an, um, an atom, uh, sorry, an electron from other things, and that causes oxidation. So it's 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 a bigger subject than just oxygen, but that is the most important thing to keep out. So, so, um, so as a home brewer, all right. So I, I would just I would just uh, that that is certainly. Close transfer, keep all your, your clamps tight and everything, but it's it's just a never ending subject, so don't don't get too overwhelmed by it. Just keep it simple. Yeah, you know, I I would add a contrary sort of perspective. I mean, certainly what you said is sort of true. It's best practices is ideal, but I don't think that it's essential at all because I've never done it and I've won dozens and dozens of Yeah, but you but you've bo- you've bottled you've um you have what do you call it? 
bottle conditioned some of those or most mm, of those? No, most of them I haven't. I've st- I have done some, um, but I've n- I've literally never done a close transfer. Um, but certainly my older beers that I I did not do a close transfer on. Oh, actually, that's not even true. Some of them got awards as well, but I I have had trouble with them, and I have had negative marks for things like oxidation, and and in almost every case that came from a. Uh, either a hoppy or a lower alcohol beer that that you know had been sitting around for some time. There's there's no question that I'm not going to get an IPA to last or to be in prime condition for more than five or six weeks doing it the way that I do it. But um, it's just not been something. It's it's something I want to do. I should be doing, but it's one more thing to clear, clean, one more thing to worry about, one more thing to set up. And so I haven't done it yet. And it's not hard, John. No, it's not hard, but it's just, you know, I've got one set up. I've been doing it for a long time. It's uh, it's ordering a few more pieces of gear, setting it up, cleaning mm. a few more things. I just haven't honestly gotten around to it. I mean, I don't actually have the vessel for it currently. Well, you've loaned me something, but I have to go get some clamps and some different hoses and all these kinds of things. And, you know, come brew day, it's like, oh, crap, I want to brew tomorrow, and I've got what I've got. So I haven't done it yet. I purge my kegs and try to keep as much O2 out as I can, but I think you can make, you know, certainly fantastic beer that all your friends will enjoy and you'll enjoy, and if kept cold, will, and as long as it's not, a, you know, some super hoppy IPA, uh, we'll, we'll be in... Uh, great condition and tastes really good for a good amount of time. But I think I think that is a huge factor, though, the hops. I'm not a big hop mm-hmm. guy, as I've said a lot of times. I, I brew these darker beers, and certainly a stout or a brown ale or, um, you know, something like that can with can take some oxidation without, mm-hmm. uh, you know, often improving it, in fact. Um, so, you know, that's a that's a factor. I just I just think that it's certainly not something to stop you from making wonderful beer. Um, but I do agree ultimately with what Gary said that it's mm-hmm. best practices. And you yeah, should. those those darker beers have you know, more antioxidants, so they're mm-hmm. going to last longer. Um, but, yeah, I mean, ask any beer judge and they will say that a lot of the beers that turn up are, are oxidized. And if you're looking for, you know. Uh, consistency in your beer, then I, I think it's important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm only playing devil's advocate from the perspective of we tend to. Yeah, it just can't be bothered doing well, shit. And, and it does. No, no, we tend to stress out and stress out and spend yeah, thousands yeah, no, of no. dollars on all this stuff. And no, you, know, no, you can no. make really great beer with 150 bucks worth of gear if if you if you want to. Oh. But uh, if you want to, sure. if you want to learn the process from top to bottom and really do everything yeah. right, then you you should get into close transfer. Or if you yeah, or if you're worried about it, then just bottle condition or even mm-hmm. key condition. Um, I'd be yeah. curious how much oxygen is actually uh, removed from bottle conditioning alone, especially if you're using, say, a bottling bucket. Depends how much you put in. Well, there's going to be a <clears throat> there's a lot of surface area in those bottling buckets. You take a thirty liter bucket and you're going and putting you know twenty liters of beer in it, and that whole, all that surface level and the inevitable weird little glugs and bubbles that you're getting as you tilt something the wrong way and the bottling wand backs up you know what i'm talking about like Mm. i could imagine quite a lot of oxygen getting into some some of these beers i mean i suppose if you use something like a carboy and kind of maybe even plastic wrap the the gap and and used a a, yeah and bottled right from your racking cane then maybe it wouldn't be uh, quite as bad, which I, I've done on some little five liter batches that I've done where I'll stick the bottling wand on or end of a racking cane and get into some horribly awkward maneuver as I try to get the flow started while holding 
while holding the bottling wand, you know, the springs down in the first bottle. It's, it's very funny looking. Um, but I have done that and that, that seems to work pretty well, but yeah, I'd love mm-hmm. to see it, the, a test on a beer like that, like how much oxygen is actually making it into solution when doing it the way that the average home brewer does. Yeah, probably quite a lot, but the yeast would deal with it pretty, pretty you, smartly. You reckon they'd get most of it out of there? <clears throat> The yeast would, yeah, for sure. Uh, if it's active, active fermentation, the, the, the yeast mops up the oxygen pretty well. Um, um, but again, like I said, they're not the only things that, that um, cause oxidation. So, yeah, it's probably an, another, it's a pro-brewer sort of conversation to have to beyond that. But it's, um, you, you can, yeah, if, if you're, I think you should still do the best you can to keep oxidation out, oxygen out at that point. Turbulence is, is the biggest thing you want to avoid. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, you, you're talking about home so it doesn't really matter that much. But I, I would I would also be interested in that in those tests, and I'm sure they'd be out there somewhere. <clears throat> John. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Well, uh, let's take the next question. How many do we have, by the way? I don't know. I can't we're, count that far. We're going fast tonight. This is what a hangover we? does. I no, think so. we're not going fast. We just talked about that shit for fucking 10 minutes. Well, we're going is there a risk? Well, is there a risk of infection fast. using hops in the dry using fresh hops in the dry hop? And then I think like 17 people came in and answered this question for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, yes. I'll answer the super. A lot of people say yes. I'll answer it the uh, the simple way, and then you can you can go and and tell us the actual science behind it or whatever you know about it. I mean, you know, certainly, certainly what I know about it is that, uh, yeah, there is a risk, but it's pretty unlikely and not really something you need to worry all that much about. Um, the lower pH, the alcohol and the natural anti bacterial, um, effects, uh, of, of hops themselves, of the hop oils will, will make that all pretty minimal. And certainly it's being done every day at breweries, um, you know, around, around the world. And, and all of my time brewing beer, I've never had an infection caused by, uh, dry hopping, um, that I, that I was aware of certainly. Um, so yeah, theoretically could, and maybe after, Brewing a hundred batches, you'll have one horrible batch because of those damn dry hops. But he's uh, talking about fresh hops. Well, fresh hops specifically. Yeah. Well, sa- same thing. I think the risk yeah. would go up, but um, I just don't. I don't think that you're gonna have to. I don't think it's a massive worry, but mm. um, theoretically, yeah, you, you would be. It would be a point of exposure. What, what's the actual? Mm. What's the reality of the situation, Gary? I don't know. <laughs> don't, um, you, don't you? <laughs> I would say that you. It's it's increasing because of the other shit that you can chuck in with your fresh hops so you can have all sorts of insects and you know all sorts of lovely stuff that goes in with your fresh hops whereas a processed hop is less likely to have you know it's been through a process so it's less likely to have shit floating around but anytime you're chucking something in your fermenter anytime you're opening your fermenter you want less foreign objects than or the least amount of foreign objects that you can um, get in there so um if as long as you're fresh hops are clean then you're sweet right. and and your your product is alcoholic by that stage and it's it's a low ph so automatically you've got a lower risk of of infection anyway so you, i mean if you're not as, lo- as long as you're not being stupid and chucking poo in there then i think you'll be fine 
And I think in the average conditions, especially for any kind of hoppy beer, if for all the reasons we talked about, you're really going to want to drink that within a couple of months. Um, it's really going to peak probably around, I don't know, six weeks, two months. You know, you'll get a lot more life out of that if you keep that oxygen out, but, but that's, it's a beer to be drunk in relatively fresh, mm. um, and kept cold in your keg. So unless you're doing all kinds of weird packaging and keeping mm. it around for a long time, that combination of, you know, being drunk relatively fresh and staying cold the entire time, just the cold temperatures alone would would make it pretty mm. hard for for any bacteria that is introduced to really have much of an effect yeah. on your beer. Uh, you, yeah, you you got to be you do have to try quite hard to get an infection post fermentation. Like it's it, it is it is a sort of a specialist subject if you if you're that guy. Um, it, it, as long as you're as long as you're generally clean, then you're gonna be fine. I have a question for you, Gary. So, well, s- sticking my equipment in the beer, yeah, for, honestly, well, that you do that. it every time. I've told you not to. Like, <laughs> you keep doing it, and, and it turns out okay. Turns out fine yeah, every time. So, and yeah, it goes against everything I would do. But if you wanted to keep doing it, but just for that special je ne sais quoi, yeah, yeah, cool, cool, good to know. Next question. Next question. I've just, for some reason, decided to scroll off that page. I don't know. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Do, do things like that sometimes. Um, <clears throat> it's impossible. Try, try as we are, it is impossible not to hit our tables um, from oh, yeah, time sorry. to time. No, 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 that wasn't you. This is me gingerly putting a bottle. I mean, that might have been you, the sound, but I wasn't referencing that. I, I'm Every time I touch the bottle to pour myself a little more of this wonderful cider from Good George. Um, mm. I clunk the table and thus the microphone makes a big woofy boom sound. It's no fun. Um, so Sean Gerard asked the post about oxidation and Richard Campbell asked that last question. Now Tony Clendon is asking, could I use something like US, uh, USO5 to brew a lager? Question mark. Well, I don't need to say question mark. I don't know why I do it. <laughs> We got that it was a question. Yeah. No, I always do it. That's your thing, Gary. That's your thing. Yeah, I was trying to do it. Okay. Will it even attenuate it at lower temps? Question mark. John. Oh, for me. Oh, yeah. Good. Um, to make a lager, I don't, I mean, could you make a nice clean beer that was reminiscent of a lager with USO5? Did he, no. specific, did he, did he specifically talk he about said, temps? Could I use something like USO5 to brew a lager? Question mark. Because you didn't know that it was a question. <laughs> Will it even attenuate at lower temps? Question mark. Well, I, 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 I don't. You know, I'm going to answer it in a in in my way, Gary. Um, I don't think you. Sh- I mean, I, th- I don't know how to answer this. You can call anything anything. Um, and if it tastes like a lager <laughs> to people, then I guess it's sort of uh, the answer is yes. But lagery, it's lagery. But um, I don't think you should do that. Um, if you can. You know, especially you talked about cooler temps. Will it attenuate? I mean, USO5 will start to have problems if you get too cold. So if you're literally talking about brewing at lager temps, then no, I'd say that would be, I don't know what um, USO5 would do that far down. Yeah, but I, sleep. I think it would. Yeah. I think I've heard of people bring, making uh, USO5 work That's as low 15. as, uh, I don't know my freaking celsius unless it has to do with a very specific like recipe like 50 right. i was gonna say like 55 um or even even 52 fahrenheit let me quickly look that up john um, but um alexa what is no she's not here um 
But uh, I think it can get pretty far down. But I think it's eleven. Eleven. Uh, yeah, I think it starts to throw sulfur or do some weird, and weird things. Um, do some lager things. Uh, well, maybe, well, yeah, maybe. Um, I I don't know. The, the The bottom line is like if you if you can control your temp, then why um, do that? And if you are going to brew at sort of cool ale temps, then um, you're going to miss some of the subtle characters of, of lager yeast. You know, each lager yeast strain does have its own kind of qualities. Some accentuate malt in a really nice way. Some throw just a little bit of sulfur that is really part of its um, profile. And frankly, a, a lager without just a nearly imperceptible amount of sulfur at the very least doesn't really taste like a lager to me. So I don't know, as a style dude you know i'm quite in into beer styles and the traditions behind each one i don't think that's i don't think that's going to get you the best beer possible now if you just want a really clean nice lagery ale that you brew at 18 degrees you can certainly do that with uso5 but i don't know i don't know if i'm just being a purist or what but a lager is a specific thing there these are specific styles with with rich histories behind them and specific flavor profiles that we're ultimately after. And I don't, I don't think that uh, you're going to ever get that with USO five. There is a smooth round glassiness that I get anyway from, from lager yeast that I don't get from an ale, no matter how clean it ultimately comes out. I mean, there are some weird kind of hybrid yeasts that could probably fool me. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's the way to go. And, and certainly it wouldn't be my, goal to get to to push a yeast out of its comfort zone to try and get some um some flavor that it wasn't ultimately designed to get me i don't know what are your thoughts um could i use something like us if i were a lager no done just done you can't because it's not laggy yeast you can't do it a lager is brewed with laggy yeast but no um you can brew you can brew a beer with low esters, but you, it doesn't produce the sulfur that uh, you know that gives it that lagery character yeah. that we all know and love. Um, but yeah, you certainly can brew a, a beer with very very low esters, a low ester profile, and a, and you can pop hops off that. So you can have like a New Zealand style pilsner uh, or something like that, but it's it's still kind of I wouldn't call it a lager. Yeah, and and there are quite a few breweries that. Well, do you can this. call it a even as a you might call it a pilsner. It's not. It's just a, it's just a it's a it's a hybrid beer. Um, and yeah, there are. It's, it's becoming a, quite a big trend in New Zealand. Um, uh, well attenuated lower temps, and I, I would experiment with that. I haven't done it myself, but just just give it a crack. I, I'd start at like maybe 15, 16, probably fifteen, maybe pitch at fifteen or something like that, and see what it does. I thought I'd, I'd go with, but if you're going to pitch low, sorry, if you're going to go low temperature, then you're going to have to pitch high. You have to, you know, up your up your pitching rate. Um, even even try lower, just go as low as you can and see what it does. But um, it's never going to be a lager, in my opinion. Do you think he's actually meaning? Can you go down to lager temps because of yeah, the specific reference to temp? Yeah, yeah, well, I. I, I think that would be a disaster, but I, oh, I uh, well, if you pitch the, if you pitch a massive amount of yeast, then maybe it's not. I, I right. haven't tried it, so I wouldn't know. But um, I, I think it can do uh, you know, ferment at lower temps. I just think, yeah, I mean, you're suppressing esters and stuff like that. 
what, just buy pressure fermenter, you know? <laughs> Move on. Yeah, we love pressure fermenting around here. So <laughs> that's the way to go, in our opinion. Um, next, do we have more questions? What? Are, how many questions do we have? This one's from Luke Riley. He, I, I recognize quite a lot of these names. Actually, I recognize Tony's name before that. And Luke, is it okay to ask what beer-related podcasts, blogs, websites you guys recommend other than your own podcast, obviously? Is that obvious? Uh, I don't know. No. Um, <clears throat> I forgot the question, Matt. Oh, yeah, please, Gary. I was all yeah. lost there. I didn't know. I didn't know how to tell you. Was this a, was this a statement? Was this a question? How emphatic is he being? I had no idea. Um, can I take this one? Because you, know, you take it, yeah, right. sweet. Um, so absolutely, and we've talked about this on a previous show. Um, because we owe you know heaps to uh, many podcasters that you know we're stealing from. Um, no, that you know certainly the Brewing Network is kind of I know both Gary and I um really kind of why well, you know gary can tell you what he's learned from them in, in his own words but i i kind of learned everything everything yeah everything that i know mm. from listening to those podcasts <laughs> i i have i'm one of those freaks who's probably listened to nearly every single show across their entire network and and it's what got me into the hobby and um they're awesome and they know their stuff and you should totally go listen to them um you know, there's I've I, I love podcasts, so I've listened to virtually every um, brewing podcast at some point or another. The ones that I, I listen to actively are all of the shows on the Brewing Network, so the Sour Hour and Doctor Homebrew and Brew Strong and and uh, the Sunday Session and um, whatever else I'm forgetting. Um, Basic Brewing is another one that I listen to a good deal. Experimental Homebrew is another one. Brewlosophy. Um, and wow, you listen to a lot of beer podcasts. I listen to a lot of beer podcasts. Um, what else? I'm sure there's even others. Um, uh, f- uh, did you say the Beersmith one? Uh, I, so, I, I didn't, but um, the Beersmith. Do you listen to it? I do listen to it, yep. And uh, some every once in a while for men about it. Um, what else? I don't know. You, you name it. Um, you know, and, and we do also want to give just a shout out to the other New Zealand group. Uh, podcast. There's uh, Brew Hui and uh, the Bitter End to to New Zealand New Zealand brew, uh, beer podcast that you should go check out as well. Um, we certainly weren't the first, and um, yeah, no, there's a lot of people we doing, won't be the last. <laughs> doing a lot of good stuff. So that that's my uh, soapbox on beer podcasts. What what's your mm. what's your take? I learned to brew, Jamil and. Um, John Palmer taught me how to brew. Well, they're not the only ones who taught me how to brew, but they had a big part of my brewing, um, uh, what do you call it, career. So, yeah, but they, they um, are very knowledgeable. They just share a shitload of information. Uh, I haven't listened to for a number of years, but it is sometimes good to go back and, you know, remind yourself and stuff like that. It's just... Just little topics that you forget about. It's just a good to even think about it and, and do your own research and stuff like that. But um, I feel like I'm too busy to listen to podcasts these days, but maybe I should go back and listen to more. Um, the Sour Hour, I, I recently discovered, so I've started listening to that. Um, websites, Scott Janish is, is a good one. Brewlosophy is another good one. Um uh, I've recently joined the Master Brewers Association, and that's got a, an amazing amount of resource. You have to pay for the privilege, but 
there is a lot of just technical information out there if you if you really want to get involved in that sort of stuff, which I am finding myself partial to these days. Um, the American Homebrew Association, again, you have to pay for the privilege, but they have, uh, you get, if you pay the $40 or $45 American dollars, you get access to all the, all the gold, no, all the metal winning recipes, isn't it, for the, from all the homebrew competitions or whatever. They just have a, an amazing amount of recipes there just from homebrewers. So yeah, that, that's a cool. I don't know if it's cool all resource. the medals, but it's a, it's a ton it's of a, metal it's a, winning It's a shitload of medals. Yeah, and gold and everything. And it's just, it's cool to see what other other people are doing. And and although it's, it's homebrew, I mean, these guys are potentially the best brewers in the world. You know, like you, you don't know that they're, just because they're homebrew doesn't mean it's not the, you know, amazing beer. So it is really cool to see what these experimental guys are doing in their, in their back sheds. Um, it's a yeah, it's a good insight, and yeah, that that's probably me. Yeah, no, I think <clears throat> I think you know if <clears throat> if I had to just pick one, or you know if I was uh, trying to give some friends some advice, as as you and I mm. have both done a number of times, Gary, it would be it would be just start by going and listening to every episode of Bruce Strong. I think that's where both mm. you and I kind of really cut our teeth and started yeah. learning and and but they're all they're all good and yeah and, they, they they're myth busters really aren't they they just mm. well oh they give you that well i mean they teach you a shitload of stuff but they do they do quash a lot of old school thought and theory yeah i just you know i think one jamil zanishev is really fun to listen to but he yeah. just he just knows his his shit um and you know and then as as he touched on i think give us a little time and and these these the q a section here in the new zealand brewer podcast might just become um yeah i think we need to do a little bit more interview. research into our, into the questions that come in john to be to be fair. no no i think we're pretty we're pretty brilliant <laughs> no, we're all right. just just, oh, yeah, just as brilliant. is yeah. yeah just naturally yeah. brilliant but I just want to see a little bit more trolling. I thought that was brilliant from no, Luke. That was, that was very funny. We haven't got we haven't got a, a like a hate comment or email. To, oh, haven't to, we? To read? Yeah. No, really? no, nothing. Uh. Uh-uh. Have you you told you promised me actually when you said when we first started this thing you said be prepared we're gonna get it some hate mail. Yeah, I did. It's like I was like fuck yeah, bring it on. So far, all the hate mail has been directed at sour beer, N- none at us. God damn it! Yeah. There's there's an idea for somebody. <laughs> do, do we do we have any more questions? I think that's it, Jonathan. All right, I'm gonna go nurse my hangover. F- well, f- while finishing this cider, and uh, watch watch me some uh, Vikings on, on Netflix. Mm, um, you seem like that kind of guy. I'm, t- I'm 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 totally I'm rewatching Vikings at the moment. This is my second. I haven't time watched for... it the first time. I, I lost it at about episode three. It looked really shit, bro. Nah, well, it's, is it good? Uh yeah, it's kind of soap opera, but it's mm-hmm. but it's. But it's just, just kind of a nice place to hang out for an hour. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, insert your mom joke in there somewhere. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, thanks, Gary, for being here as usual. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, thanks to Brian Watson from Good George for for being here on the show. Uh, that was some great stuff. And and thanks for the great beer that they're. Uh, that you guys at Good George are making as well. Uh, we're certainly here enjoying it. And uh, New Zealand's beer scene is better for it. All right, Gary. Thanks. Have a good night. Cheers, brother. Cheers. Bye.
are you eating potato chips? What are you doing? I was while you were fucking up. Hold on. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> Give me two seconds. Mute your fucking microphone while I fucking oh, yeah. 